Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to podcasts like it's 1992 the podcast where we talk about the films of 1992 here under Dr. Giggle Scalpel in 2023. I am your host Philip Escove and with me today is writer Lewis Peitzman to talk with us about Dr. Giggles everyone's favorite horror icon. Uh, he's a horror icon I think of people who care about early 90s horror. Which is a very so, small subset of horror fans, probably. <laughs> Had so, when did you see Doctor Google for the first time, Lewis? So I, I realized that, like, when I reached out and was like, yeah. I "Gotta do Doctor Google," it probably yeah. you probably felt like this was like a childhood favorite. Yeah, but actually, I didn't watch this movie until earlier this year. Um, okay, I had I had heard about it, like. Uh-huh. I heard about it first, like twenty years ago. Like this was like a sure. a mythic. Uh, film to me because I couldn't really believe there was a movie called Dr. Giggles um I remember the time being like is it is it funny is it scary and I was like assured that it was actually very scary um I think maybe (laughs) that was not uh that ended up not being the case but I finally saw it this year um and then I obviously rewatched it to be super fresh for this podcast um yeah I I mean I think I think you've mentioned this on the show before that like nineties horror is a mixed bag, but most of the bag is like hot garbage. There just isn't a lot of like, especially early nineties, like high quality horror to yeah, it's look weird. At. It's very strange. Cause like, for, first of all, you know, full disclosure, our listeners know this. I'm not a big horror guy. I was a big scaredy cat as a kid. So I like really didn't watch a lot, a lot of horror movies. I've subsequently in my old age discovered they're not that scary. Why are you so afraid of these movies? But that being said, 
um i've slowly but surely been kind of like working my way to some of the like big mainstay kind of horror films that are like dr giggles dr giggles obviously um I mean, for instance, you know, for our, for our Patreon, Kenny and I covered uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street series. So I watched all those and they're fucking great. Like big fan of Freddy. He's such a stinker. He's great. Um, so I, I, I kind of went into this one. And if I'm being completely honest, the thing that's always stayed with me about this movie is the poster. Because for, for our listeners who don't know, there is a Dr. Giggles poster and it's essentially his eyes uh, uh, with him under like behind a, a surgical mask. And there's a, there's a scalpel in like the, the title and like as a hypochondriac, <laughs> as a child, this movie was like, stay the fuck away from Dr. Giggles. Like, why would I possibly subject myself to this? Um, and then I pressed play on this movie and realized it's just campy. Right? Yeah. Like I mean, pure camp. Yeah, I mean, I think there is an element of it that is unsettling because, like, sure, a doctor that who kills you is like an unsettling concept. There's like medical instruments that are creepy sure. and and that's kind of scary unto itself. But I I don't think that they were going for uh, scary. Uh, but it, I mean, it's yeah. it's there was this sort of like genre of medical horror. Um, you have like the dentist, which is a more I think a little bit campy, but a little a little bit more scary and certainly more violent uh, in terms of showing sure. you horrific dental procedures. Um, yeah, I mean this the tone of this movie is so bizarre uh, that I watching it again, I was like really trying to. I I I feel like part of it is that it was sort of, and I was trying to figure out the production. It was sort of like this and the comic book were at the same time because it was like part of a deal with dark horse i should have looked up the comic i didn't look because like when the comic came out predates the movie correct but but it was the same month so it wasn't like uh it wasn't like this was based on a comic it was like they were a joint but the movie is like it has a comic book movie vibe and i i think that is what i wasn't able to get the first time i watched it obviously every repeat viewing of dr giggles unlocks more about an onion really Um, layers and layers to it yeah the comic book which i'm which i'm looking at right now he looks like larry drake right like there's no question that these are kind of in concert with one another and there is kind of this and maybe this is just the the dark man of it all but like it did feel a little bit raimi-esque you know like it it definitely had that kind of um evil dead-ish kind of horror vibe to it did you sense that yeah, I mean, I think it's it's definitely going for that kind of vibe. Um, I almost wish it were sillier. Like, it has these... Yeah. It opens with that scene after the amazing CGI of the, you know, bloodstream and red blood cells and heart. It, like, opens with Dr. Giggles' escape from the mental hospital. And he, he has that... He, he's holding the, two, the doctor's arms that he cut off. And um, it's amazing and they like look so obviously fake and it's not really meant to look real and it's that's like the tone it goes for the movie kind of like is also weirdly like a teen romantic drama and and that element doesn't quite feel like it fits with the comic book aspect of like the, the or the sam raimi type like horror comedy it's a it's a bit of a weird combination i i kind of wonder if like someone's studio note was like you gotta put in some like hot young actors to play teens in love 
Yeah, it 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 has a very kind of almost Sydney and Billy vibe from Scream, right? Where it's like you know, in this movie Jennifer and Max, Jennifer seems um pretty self-aware pretty understanding of like the world that she's in she's as sort of grounded and terrestrial as anybody is in this movie and max is just kind of a horny guy essentially he's Um, a terrible terrible boyfriend like he's a a bad boyfriend truly terrible boyfriend so much so that you're like at the end i'm like i'm not rooting for these two like get this fucking guy out of here what are you doing jennifer you saw him making out with somebody else he, he's willing to throw you under the bus basically at any chance he gets so yeah the love story is kind of bullshit in this but i do kind of wonder if it's aware of how bullshit it is like to your point that it's like i'm just fulfilling a studio note type thing if, yeah i don't i mean i don't think they were going for uh true romantic sincerity i just yeah. think that like the way it's done is still a little bit it's played straight a little bit more than like the horror elements are yeah no 100 percent. it's you know it's funny as i was watching this i was thinking of like (laughs) what would the david cronenberg dr giggles be because like it would be amazing it'd be amazing (laughs) because like cronenberg you know obviously big body horror guy and he really understands how unsettling this vessel is right like that's his whole thing is like this thing that we live in is this weird you know decomposing flesh sack that we just kind of exist in and i feel like this movie dips its toes into at the very least through the medical lane of like pretty fucking crazy that we just let these people do these things to our bodies and we just put the trust that we have into these doctors um that in and of itself is a really compelling and interesting thing that i'm not sure the movie completely weaponizes but does to some degree yeah i mean there's definitely i i can see a cronenberg version of this i do think that this movie like is almost canadian in in vibe so like <laughs> that part of it certainly and then yeah. also we we get like the toward the end dr eagles like unveils more of his like medical instruments that sure. are horrific and it's similar to like dead ringers with the as i thought the same thing know, yeah awful gynecological instruments i mean those are worse that is that that movie is uh not really a straight horror but it's certainly more unsettling than Dr. Giggles. Absolutely. Um, which, you know, is is there are some there are some kills in this movie that I have a hard time watching just because really it just because it like, you know, it, it evokes I mean it it just makes you think about like all the times you've had any sort of medical procedure or even like, you know, when you're little and any sort of medical test seems scary. It taps into that, um, maybe by accident. Uh, but it, but, but it's, there's something there. I mean, it's, it's, there are some, there are some like moments that I don't love watching. Namely the nasal probe uh, kill. I now, find that one very that, hard to watch. So this is the thing. I agree with you hundred percent. There's something very, um, I mean, let's be real. Dr. Giggles has one bit and that bit okay. is to use medical tools to fuck you up. It's a good bit though. Just to be great clear, bit. like great it's bit. a really great bit. Um, strangling someone with a blood pressure cuff, for instance. Um, or as you mentioned, this 
I'm not sure that probe is meant to be a nasal probe. <laughs> Whatever it is. I know it certainly, it went into her brain. No, I mean, like, it's, I, I, I honestly, like, the thing about that, that mm. moment, though, is that yeah. it's one of the few deaths we actually see. I mean, the movie is, like, weirdly restrained. It has this, like, almost, like, uh, implications. Like, t- more than it has this, yeah. like, TV edit version where you're not really, there are some really gory moments, sure. but most of the weird medical stuff you actually don't see happen um sure. like you sort of it's a lot of it's implied it's still very disgusting but it's implied um and that one we just like see Full fully what's happening um and it's and it's and it's rough um but even like the blood pressure thing is like i think again it like taps into that feeling when you like have a blood pressure cuff on where you're like this is too tight it can't possibly get tighter and then it keeps going yeah. and it's like is this yeah yeah, yeah is yeah. this yeah. safe um yeah no i mean uh, I love the bit. I think it's a great bit. I think he's got, <laughs> he has he has puns and he has uh, creative kills. I almost like I, I think there's a version of this movie also like Cronenberg or not that would like go much harder. Like that, it's that is it the could, thing. it could be so much more disgusting and disturbing and still be a comedy, but yeah. it's like it is it is kind of restrained. The you know you mentioned the the gynecological tools and as as a just a a, a side note uh Cronenberg himself designed those tools and um has them in his house my mother was uh, friends with his wife and went to his house and he literally has them on display throughout his house so there you go um I I think that there's just something um so invasive about medical tools right like they're literally going in orifices this idea of like um all that kind of stuff, I think this movie could have, to your point, gone farther with. And and I also feel too where like it it almost it's 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 not really playing in the realm of realism, which is intentional. Right. But had it played in the realm of realism, it would have been so much scarier. Like the tools that he unveils at the end of the movie, I'm just like, what? these tools would serve truly no purpose. They literally look like I don't even know what they are. It, these these they're just insane metal piercing objects essentially is what they are. Um, And I know that that's part of the campiness of the movie, which I think is also an asset, right? Like it's a choice. It's a, it's um, the movie is sort of playing with dials, but to your point, I think there's a spookier version of this or a a much more unsettling version of this where um, it feels realer and right. thus it's scarier right. um this is pretty cartoonish i mean larry drake's performance in this film the giggling is amazing and then also kind of annoying by the end of the movie the giggling is as promised i think that you really get what you came for <laughs> it it says it on the box it says dr giggles and that's exactly what you get um yeah i mean i think that it's it's like a tough line to walk but i in terms yeah. of like the realism of it and trying to keep it kind of can't be but certainly if like what he was doing or the tools seem more like actual medical that's why that nasal probe whatever it was actually meant for it feels a lot closer closer to like what something you would actually you know have used the blood pressure cup all of that versus like you know when he uses that weird spiky thing to kill the doctor at the end i mean that's a little bit different i do love when he uses the um the the reflex hammer thing the you know battle it's yeah i mean i like that i don't know i mean i really it's it's, it's so i really like want to know everything about 
how this movie came to be because I feel like it's 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 kind of like at, at times in a little bit of a battle with itself where it's always silly, but it it can't really decide how silly to be. It can't really decide how gross or scary to be. There's like a little yeah. bit of a of a you know of a back and forth there. Yeah, you know, you mentioned the comic thing. I think it's it's worth kind of unpacking that for a second too, because it does feel like he feels like a Batman villain, right, or a right. Spider-Man villain, as opposed to like a horror villain, if that makes sense. Like, I mean, I, the, the the green the, the green poison that he injects people. With, I mean, that is like just like a classic comic book trope right. where you have to like make it green so we know it's bad. <laughs> I don't know why yeah. that medication yeah. would be green, but you know, it's, I mean, we don't even know what these meds are that he's giving people, by the way. Like it's sure. just, it, it's, we, we just know that it's bad. I mean, it's like when that, that old woman across the street, he swaps out her, her, is it a red pill for a blue pill or something like that? Right. Right. Like it's, it's so cartoonishly colored and, and large in the frame that it honestly feels like something, you know, straight out of a comic book. And I think I, I agree with you 100% that like the, the tonal kind of line this movie is trying to exist in, um, I think they probably thought it was safer to play campier than scarier in the hopes of A, perhaps feeding this comic book, B, you know, Largo had just sort of bought this dark horse thing and they were like trying to do, I mean, I think they wanted this movie to you know be a more of a breakout than it was. I mean... It made some money, um, but let me give a little <laughs> bit of context here for our listeners. Um, in 1957, Evan Rendell, Larry Drake, flees from his father, uh, sorry, flees after his father is lynched for killing multiple patients in his effort to find a replacement heart for his ailing wife. After, th- after 35 years, Evan escapes from a mental institution and returns to town for revenge, killing off residents one by one. When Jennifer, played by Holly Marie Combs, and her friends break into the Rendell house out of morbid curiosity. Evan notices Jennifer has a heart condition similar to his mother and decides to make her his final victim. Dr. Giggles opened on October 23rd, 1992 against Under Siege, The Last of the Mohicans, Candyman, The Mighty Ducks, and Consenting Adults. It would go on to make $8.4 million on a $7 million budget. It is 23% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics, 43 from audiences. Variety called it a wildly uneven horror film. <laughs> <laughs> that the film focuses too much on cheap laughs. New York Times said the screenplay is stitched together from various, uh, from sorry, variations on cliches used about the medical community. Uh, and then the Washington Post said uh, Manny Cotto turns to writer Graham Wilfer time and again in punchlines in a desperate attempt to revive a script that begins in critical condition and ends up DOA. However, Sight and Sound wrote that the film satire gives way to some, uh, so to a few nasty, nicely nasty moments. Um, but that the film never tops the visual flair of its opening credits. Um, you know, I, I, I it's interesting because, like, obviously I'm assuming Candyman steals this thunder, right? Like, these were the two Halloween movies that came out. Sure. Candyman is superior. Right, right. I mean, like, yes, but I also feel like Candyman is a serious horror movie for, like, serious Correct. horror people. Correct. And- Dr. Giggles is a movie that you could like get stoned and go see with your friends <laughs> and you'll get, you might get more out of this than you would out of Candyman if you were like, you know, really high. 
<laughs> I agree with you. I mean, listen, Candyman only made $25 million. I mean, it's not like it, you know, but on an $8 million budget. But still, I, I think that your point is true, which is what kind of horror are you going for, right? right. Yeah. And I think that Candyman uh, is is a movie with, you know, uh, some some real people behind it, right? It's really tr- not just not to take anything away from Manny Cotto, but like this idea that um, Candyman has sort of real bones to it, and has it's like a real commentary on something. I don't think that Doctor Giggles is really a commentary on much. No, um, I love that. I love the reviews kind of trying to contextualize it in some way. I mean, like. I think that the if you if you really want to look at the like clearest line in terms of like Manny Cotto's work, I mean he did Tales from the Crypt. So like that feels like the easiest comparison here of like it is basically horror comedy. Some of those episodes are funnier than others. Some of them are kind of more straight horror. They are often really scary and they are very gory. But you know, the Crypt Keeper is like a comic character. Uh, a comic, you know, a comic book character and also a, a funny character. Um so, I mean, that feels like what we're going for here. I think mm-hmm. that there is, because of that confusion throughout the movie, it's a little bit harder, I think, definitely for critics of the time to understand what it was trying to do. Um, and you do have these moments, like, you know, the moment where the child, Dr. Giggles, cuts himself out of his mother's corpse is, like, for that's little- the context for so people understand where that's coming from uh the, the i assume father... they've, all seen, they've all seen it i, I assume <laughs> I can't imagine not. uh basically midway through the film we realized that uh dr giggle's father realized that he was a dead man so he knew that he couldn't save his wife anymore so he decided to hide his child inside the rotting corpse of his wife and essentially smuggle his son out of the house so that his son wasn't also killed although like are these people gonna kill the kid but whatever uh you just have to you gotta go with it it's gotta go with logic. it and you get a sequence probably arguably one of the best sequences in the film is a flashback sequence to a to the uh, our cop our older gentleman that we've been following through this film and a flashback to him being in the morgue when when dr kickles claws his way tears his way out of his mother's dead corpse it's um he's giggling he's, the whole time. <laughs> he's he's reborn. He's like reborn covered in blood, but he's like a little boy. Um yeah, I mean that is like genuinely horrific. It's like also funny, but it's that's very gross. That's like very it's very violent. Um it's more Cronenbergian than most of the other things in this movie. Um and it's I also, feel like yeah, sorry. Yeah. No, I just I just feel like, you know, <laughs> I wish the movie were operating at that level the entire yes. time. Because yes. that, because then it becomes more like, like, or a trauma movie or something where it's like, it is silly and campy, but it's also just like relentless and disgusting and really? a challenge for people to get through. And this is like a weird hybrid of all of these things that is a little bit harder to digest. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. You know, I, there are moments in this film that made me think about, you know, we covered uh, Dead Alive slash Brain Dead. Uh, the Peter Jackson film um, earlier this month. And that movie, to your point, is full on, right? Like that movie is going for it. You've got, you know, a a man with a lawnmower tearing through zombies. Like it's just an ocean of blood and gore. Um, Very cartoonish at the same time, but still like fucking crazy horror, like babies tearing through people's faces and shit, like just crazy. 
Um, this movie could have could have done that and would have been better off for it. And I think that like what what I, there's a lot of like, and I know you can't apply logic to a movie like Doctor Giggles, but there were a lot of moments in this film where I was just like that child is not fitting inside that woman, right? Like, <laughs> well, maybe, I mean, if, if she were fully hollowed out beforehand, even then, maybe. he's probably not that much smaller than she is. I, I don't know. You got, yeah, you got to go with it. I, I, yeah. Yes. I'm just saying. I, I think, I think brain dead slash deadal. I mean, that's a great comparison to because That's like a full on splatter movie that is funny, but like for someone who is not into, horror or violence like you couldn't watch that movie and i feel like you could probably watch dr giggles you just look away at some key moments it's not really asking that much of you as an audience member i i mean yeah i mean i think you're you're right that they were going for something a little bit more mainstream that like maybe by having this teen romance and just even having that kind of it could just be a movie about dr giggles like tearing his way through this town but instead we have like you know a a final girl basically trying to make it more of a of a of a normal traditional horror movie um that maybe something gets lost and like you know trying to kind of break inside it into something that that works i think there's also and this could just be my brain so forgive me but like you know as a person who um you know er still one of my favorite shows you know i've tried to develop uh medical uh television shows um this movie does not adhere to any medical anything so there's just times where i'm just like like near the end of the film um he just has a bucket of hearts he's just got just a bucket full of hearts and he's just like nope that's too big that's too small and just like so the only criteria here is size and i don't think you can just keep hearts in a in a bucket like there's just the obvious medical stuff in this movie where they're just like they're playing so fast and loose which is fun don't get me wrong but like the movie literally opens with a man having like splayed out on a on a surgical table in a full suit (laughs) right well he's well he's that that because because he's that's like a that's like a doctor at the or like that's a you know someone working at the institute mental hospital that he's like you know kidnapped oh sure but you don't realize that at first. No, no. You so don't at first, that. I'm just like, this seems like <laughs> this is professional. It seems but, like bad medicine. Yeah. Yes, this is bad I, medicine. Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting too because part of what part of it is just that it's like comic book logic. It's cartoon logic. It's silly. Part of it is that like Doctor Giggles is not actually like a surgeon, a heart surgeon. He is like <laughs> he's like he's basically being his father, who is like what like a doctor who makes house calls. Like it's very like old timey like he has a little bag and he comes to you and he like and that's you know that kind of contrasts with the actual doctors who are you know uh doing or the doctors who try to do surgery on holly marie comes at the end i guess one of them does at the very end but but those are real doctors dr giggles is like the idea of a doctor from the late 50s but he's evil and giggles a lot it, it, there's also some serious like arrested development going on in the sense that he's basically just a child in a 
grown-up man's body so like to your point he's like playing doctor quote-unquote right like he's just kind of mimicking what he saw his father do to some degree um and just giving us every possible medical pun and quip you could possibly i love it i love it phenomenal because i mean that's comic book too right that's very like especially you know we don't get that so much in comic book movies now which is sad we've lost something so precious but um obviously batman and robin is very very pun heavy um even like even like the raimi spider-man movies like this i remember the first and second one at least Mm -hmm. are have their share of puns totally um and i think that that's like you know that's it's fun i i do think it kind of contributes to the weird uh tonal issues this movie has yeah uh but i i think you're right about the arrested development part there's also like yeah i mean there's something really disturbing about kind of how he is this like weird child the the part also where he i think one of the like the creepier elements or the creepier sort of moments in the movie is when he is uh stitching himself up while giggling and saying like that smarts and it's like because he's like a 50s doctor but it's like it is a little bit like gross i mean that it's just it's hard to know what to do i think that's why my vision for this movie and if i were going to reboot dr giggles or if i were going to do a you mean when no not if yeah i mean sadly larry jake has passed and i can't imagine who would take on that role but, but i like i mean I think you got to just really go for it and make it like disgusting and depraved because there's no version of this that makes sense or is like coherent or is like, you know, actually scary. So you just got to make it, you know, disgusting. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, it's worth sort of unpacking Manny Cotto's career a little bit too, because he, he is a guy who, to your point starts, you know, he does uh, an Alfred Hitchcock presents, he does tales of the crypt. Um, excuse me, he he co-writes and directs this. Um, and then it's kind of, you know, it's Outer Limits. It's He works on Star, uh, Star Trek Enterprise, just 14 episodes of that, um, 27 episodes of, of 24, 10 episodes of Dexter. Um, he's had a bunch of American Horror Story and American Horror Stories. Um, you know, he unfortunately passed away recently from uh, pancreatic cancer, which is obviously awful. Um, but... Uh, he he really did make a name for himself in sort of the in the genre space of sort of you know um clever campy kind of winky horror which i don't say that in a in a you know a a a bad way and i do think that like you can draw a line between dr giggles and ryan murphy's american horror absolutely story for sure you know especially I mean? american i mean american horror store american horror stories yes. even more so because yes. that's anthology horror and like makes maybe less sense than the yes. parent series which is like tough to imagine but actually i mean those that show is like ridiculous that is yes. silly yes. i think when it works best it is what i'm talking about where it's just like really really going for it mm-hmm. really like you know pushing the, the, the boundaries of of taste and you know ethics logic. and logic absolutely <laughs> um and i mean like and and you know dexter was in many ways a more serious show yes. at one point but certainly kind of became uh it, you had to suspend a lot of disbelief to watch that show through the end um mm-hmm. as i as i did right to the lumberjack moment and and lumberjack beyond and beyond um I, yeah, yeah i mean Amer- american horror story is interesting because um i don't know if you're watching delicate if you're watching this new season or not I'm letting it collect on my DVR until I like feel compelled to finish it or to start it. Uh, it's, it's reasonable. There. 
there's only five episodes in the first part, and then I think there's another five episodes that are coming because they didn't get to finish it. Right, right. It's 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 the thing that Chucky the series is doing, where it's like they're they're calling it part one, and it's really like maybe we should have waited until the strike was over. But um, sure. It's and I will say the delicate. It's interesting because I feel like all of this. So, did you watch the Rachel Vice Dead Ringers, the Amazon show, which I thought was great. Great. Um, you know what I mean? Like that is, I would say the benchmark of what we're talking about here of just like fully committed to an idea, being really smart about it, but also having fun with it and also grossing you out and doing like really crazy shit. Like it's checking all the boxes. I think that, that you want from a medical horror show, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and delicate. I mean, it just, it just doesn't make any fucking sense. Like you're just kind of right. watching. You're just like, I don't. And I know that like, you know, my roommate's getting a kick out of Kim Kardashian being in it. And like, there, there's, there's, it's the classic Ryan Murphy thing of like, people will tune in because I got some pretty big names doing, you know, bonkers shit. Um, I, I would argue that Dr. Giggles is more successful than Delicate is what I'm getting at right now. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm sure, <clears throat> I, I am sure that, you know, Manny Cotto, sadly, if he were alive, I'm sure he would appreciate that. Um, I'm that sure you're kind of thrilled. Yeah. I, no, I mean, I think that, that, uh, I, I the American Horror Story, which I've watched from the beginning, mm-hmm. is like a ridiculous, ridiculous show. And I think that the worst thing it does, the worst seasons are boring. And I think that is, you know, yes, kind of occasionally attempting to have a point to have like a, mm-hmm. a message of some sort is like what kills it. I think that what I really want and why I I gave up on American Horror Stories because mm-hmm. it was just like. I want Tales from the Crypt. Like, I've seen every episode of that show. Sure. Um, that is what I want. That is what, like, you know, sure. anthology horror should look like. And it, that's, like, the right level of, like, of, of silly. I think that if I'm going to go, like, Dead Ringers was, there was humor in it. And there was, like, stuff that made no sense. And that that was fine. But it was, like, it was, like, a prestige show. It was incredible. It was, it was like, so well written and acted and edited and directed. I mean, it was, like, a fantastic show. Um, I don't know that there could be a Dead Ringers version of Dr. Giggles. I feel like the giggling alone kind of limits <laughs> us here. Um, I would, I would like to see it. I mean, like if there's like a feminist kind of like gender swap Dr. G- Giggles out oh, that's there, interesting. That's interesting. I would, I would absolutely watch all episodes of that, of that series. Sure. Um, but it feels like, you know, this was so comic book from the jump mm-hmm. that it was sort of like. Tales from the Crypt was probably the best we could have hoped for with with that. I I agree. Do you have a favorite season of American Horror Story? Um, I I probably Asylum is the one that feels okay. the most successful to me. I I feel like Coven, which people point to as being like, That's was where favorite. I was. Yeah. I that was where I was like, oh, they have no idea what they're doing, which was like always clear. But when they were like. I remember when it was like, oh, Stevie Nicks is into this. We should put her on the show. That I was like, oh, they're just like winging it. And this is just Ryan Murphy, like casting, playing with Barbies and like casting the people he wants to see on a show, which is fine. It's pure aesthetics. And I think that works to a point, but it's, it's a lot, you know, there's, there's no, I mean, it's, I watched all of Glee also, like you kind of just have to like, accept that it's a clean slate every episode. You're not going to get any like, coherent character development or plotting you just kind of like you just kind of like follow you know his whims and um i think asylum was the most cohesive 
of the seasons, but even that had aliens and Frank. So I don't know. This is what I like for me. It's so funny. Cause I, I vividly remember um, I was working at UTA at the time when the script for American horror Stories showed up and I remember I read the script. Uh, one of the assistants gave me the script. I was like, why is it called American Horror Story? And she was like, oh, because like, it's going to be a new thing every season. They wanted like a title that could be essentially like, I was like, oh, so anthology, that could be cool, whatever. That first season is pretty great in the sense of like setting the baseline for what it is. And I think ultimately my issue with Asylum, I tapped out around the Anne Frank revelation. <laughs> we're just like, I don't think I can go on this ride. Yeah. And then the third season started and I was like, okay, now we're in full camp territory. Yeah. And I can, I can fully commit. Yeah. To this, I mean, I, I think it, but... it, it, for me, it worked until it didn't. And I still sure. like, I would rewatch that over most of the seasons after That's that. The thing, yeah. I think freak shows when I was like, I actually hate this show and I, resent <laughs> yeah. that I and I, and I resent that I'm watching it. And I like, yes, yes. I'm just like, it's so, it, and I kept watching. Um, I mean, there are seasons where I was like, kind of like the Roanoke stuff and when it became like the, you know, docu the show within the but show. It, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was like, that was kind of fun. I don't, yeah, you know, yeah. um, but man, he can, he can knock it out of his own way. And like, who am I to talk? He's extremely successful and gets sure. a blank check to do whatever he wants. So it's like, sure. you know, obviously it's working. Um, and you keep watching. I, so he's and doing I keep watching. Right. Well, I'm not watching Delicate. So, you know, so not yet. I, well, not yet. Uh, and I don't watch American <laughs> Horror Stories, but I feel like, um yeah i don't know i feel like there's there's always this like element of greatness lurking in a ryan murphy project where i'm like frustrated that it can't just be good because i really wanted to just be good well it's i did an episode of uh of my patreon uh the double features thing where i compared and contrasted uh the pilot of glee and the pilot of scream queens with uh with two writers and we were sort of talking about how the potential of his shows or of just an episode i mean every time nip tuck starts you have a patient come in and have a situation where i'm like that's really interesting and by the end of it they've definitely pissed away that idea right right i mean like nip tuck i enjoyed all the way through even when it was terrible because we didn't have that much like fucked up shit to watch on tv where it was it was sort of novel how like it was every episode I was like can they do that like it was it it felt very like shocking and now that's like most shows so I don't feel like you know there's nothing that's happening on American Horror Story that I'm particularly shocked by absolutely um and and maybe I don't know if those shows exist anymore in fact like if those shows do exist they could still shock me I probably don't want to watch them um so I mean Dead Ringers some of it was pretty shocking actually um but in a good way yeah I don't I don't know that like anything Ryan Murphy's doing is pushing the envelope in the same way anymore yeah i mean I, I i think that i fully agree with you and i think it's why every episode feels like a clean slate because he's trying to you know what i mean like he wants to try to outdo himself every week right or he wants this show to keep pushing boundaries every week and the problem is that you know i, I would argue that the the one of the unfortunate things to come out of american horror story is burning through story so quickly same with glee where you're just like it's it's there's nowhere to go like you need to take your time with things right and if you're just racing to get through to something else crazy then there's just it's exhausting well that's i mean we can go on a whole separate rant about this i mean i think that's a whole thing with streaming culture and content and trying to make sure people aren't going to 
you know, ditch your show because it's a slow yeah. burn yeah. and they could watch something else. Um, no, I think that's, that's a lot of it too. But um, yeah, I miss when like things took time to develop and, yeah. um, and you know, I think that's why, that's why Dead Ringers like stands out because it's like, you know, there's a lot of things happening, but it's a very deliberately paced show. Absolutely. And, and I, I do think that, you know, to harken back to a time of Dr. Giggles and even sort of late 80s <laughs> horror, you know, you had this kind of, I don't know, there was there was a playfulness, there was a people wanting to have fun, that good, having a good a shock or a scream in a movie theater or what have you. Um, and I guess that still exists today, but it feels like the movies now that are shocking people tend to be more of the A24 things than they tend to be, you know, the big studio things. I mean, I have some friends that went to see Exorcist Believer, you know, on the weekend and we're just like, no, is they just yeah, left it. Yeah. It was like, this is just don't do this. Um, it does feel like horror continues to be very lucrative um, because it's super cheap to make and tends to work out relatively well. Um, I think that if Dr. Giggles came out today or something akin to Dr. Giggles came out today, you know, if, tomorrow Blumhouse decided they're doing a Dr. Giggles reboot. I think there's a way to do it. There's the A24 version of Dr. Giggles that I think actually connects. Yeah, Maybe I mean, I, I think I get that. I think more of like the Shutter original version of Dr. Giggles sure, where sure. it's like, I mean, and I, because I, I watch a lot of horror comedy and I hate almost all of it, frankly. Like, I just feel like it's so... I don't know. I mean, it just doesn't ever capture anything that's like anywhere near dead alive, for example, yeah, to go back to yeah, that, where it's yeah. like, it's not scary enough. It's not funny enough. It's not shocking. It's just kind of there. And I I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like most horror, this has been to me, like not a great year for horror. I, I do my, I yeah. do my like best horror of the year list every year. And last year was an amazing year for horror. I was what like was last year. Last year, um, let me like let me just kind of yeah, casually of course, yeah. Google that because I <laughs> I have to. Um, if we, whenever you Google best horror on the the things that come up are like the actual worst horror movies you can sure, imagine. Sure. Um, I'm just I'm just yeah, looking at this yeah, Rotten Tomatoes yeah. list now. Um, what was on there? I'm scrolling. You can edit this out, or it's you're doing no, no, no. I'm just trying, video, I'm trying so, to remember you know. as well. Um, what did I like last year? Uh... It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. 
the night house i enjoyed um was this this was 2021 um i was like yes. this is too this is this is too well, too 2022 is last year 2020 right? yes i yes i just don't know what 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 year we're in anymore um last sorry last year was was barbarian x scream oh. nope there we go wow. lots yeah, of okay. like actual okay. okay crimes of the future which is like Love not that. really yeah. horror but horror adjacent mm-hmm. um you know there was a lot of really good shit yeah, yeah. last year even like mainstream like studio stuff like smile i thought was very scary um a little bit silly uh gosh there was a lot there was a lot last year there was like and studio this year stuff just, like, and there talk was to me is basically it. this year is yeah i mean uh talk to me um which i haven't seen yet actually so that could be up there uh i mean i've enjoyed some of the like franchise stuff this year i really like saw x or saw okay. 10 sure. um i enjoyed evil dead rise mm-hmm. you know we've, we've gotten some this is the year of like the weird experimental horror like skin of a rink and the sure. outwaters so we have sure. a kind of kind of those mm-hmm. um i had a great time at the pope's exorcist that is a i gear i haven't seen exorcist believer yet but i like i'm confident saying that the pope is a, is a much better movie and a much yeah. funnier movie um yeah there's been some there's been some good stuff this year there's been some good indie stuff and originals megan um yeah. infinity pool megan. there's like there's definitely stuff this year but last year there were there were so many like five-star movies for me where i was like this is like a really incredible horror year and this year i've seen a lot where i'm like i don't really get it and i don't really it feels overhyped to me or it feels sure. like i'm missing something um so yeah you know once i could figure out what actually happened last year i'm i'm, I'm comfortable <laughs> saying that that yes it was a better horror year it's, than we're in now it is it is interesting because you know kenny and i talked a lot about obviously we talked a lot about 1999 and how bad a year it was for horror um i mean you came on for stigmata we talked uh <laughs> you know that, um you know which which truly is like probably one of the higher points when it comes to horror in in 99 um you know, the, the the horror genre really goes through quite a lull through most of the 90s. Right, right. You know, the 80s is when all of these franchises are, ma- are you know, making significant, amount, significant amounts of money. Friday the 13th, Freddy, Halloween, all these movies, fran- these horror franchises are doing really, really well. They're cheap to make and they make money. Um, and then the 90s kind of come around and you have sort of these erotic thrillers that kind of take over in that space a little bit. And makes so much money. I mean, Basic Instinct makes almost four hundred million dollars. I mean, that is in in nineteen ninety two. Like that's insane. Um, so I think that that kind of scratches that itch. And even just looking at ninety two for horror films, you know, really, it's like it's Doctor Giggles, it's uh, Sleepwalkers, it's you know what I mean, like the lawnmower man sort of kind of i mean it's a stephen king adaptation but still like it's it's not i mean it's not really a stephen king adaptation but right. it but you it know what i mean in name yes and it's it's just interesting because like you know emily who obviously isn't on this episode with us but is a big horror person and loves horror and was just like there aren't really any to talk about in 92 and it is interesting because then right around the corner in 93 is jurassic park and that's like fucking a game changer right it's not yeah. just a game changer technically but it's a game changer because that becomes a style of horror that kids can go and see and then you're off to the races right like the whole 90s just becomes that and then scream changes the whole metric again in a few years and that becomes the next and we're still living in a post-scream horror universe i would argue yeah i mean i think that 
it's interesting if you look at the 90s because like if you look at movies from like a couple of years before Scream, they are so wildly different. Sure. Like that was a that was a huge change in like what horror looked like and what horror could be that mm-hmm. like completely changed things. I think that there wasn't a lot of we talk about sort of the slasher the slasher resurgence of the late sure. 90s um is a little bit like if you actually look at it there were only like a handful of actually decent movies that came out in that time and sure. it was like diminishing returns almost immediately so um that didn't last long and then i feel like until you get to like blair witch you don't really have like a new kind of thing to latch on to then you have like the era of found footage mm-hmm. um I think right now it's like uh, maybe we're in the era we're in the era of like metaphor horror, which you could call like a twenty four horror, where it's sure. like about trauma, um, <laughs> lots of kind of like you know these sort of requels and franchise reboots that are thematically also about trauma. Uh, it's it's very feelings heavy, but I also feel like it's just I don't know. I mean, it's not. I think it's more interesting to look at kind of like the horror of the time based on sort of what the societal concerns are like a couple of years prior, which is when like these movies got, you know, in development. And you can see, like, I remember it was, I don't know if it was last, it might've been the last two years ago where there were a lot of me too horror movies where you could just tell that it was like, that was what we were going for. I think like eco horror is sure, sure, know, sure, sure. having a bit of a boom for obvious reasons. So um, there's that, but I don't know if it's like as easy to kind of pinpoint the era that we're in. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I guess what I meant when I say we're sort of still... The reason that I think Scream was <clears throat> this fulcrum point was because it was the moment when you could be self-aware. Like, I'm not suggesting that Dr. Giggles isn't self-aware. It is, but it's... you know <laughs> he, I mean? breaks, like, he breaks the fourth wall. Literally breaks the fourth wall at the end. But it's not like... I don't know. It's not, it's not the same thing, right? Yeah. The, the, the speech that... Uh, forgive me, I can't remember um, the character's name or the actor that the, the the video store guy gives in Scream. Randy. Uh, yeah, Randy, of course. Um, that is iconic for so many reasons, but it's it's the game changer of being yeah. like, the movie knows it's a movie. I mean, God, I mean, Deadpool is still, is a fucking Scream thing, yeah, yeah. right? Like, it's all just sort of like, I know I'm in a movie thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that... I think that the you know the the Robert Eggers and the uh, Ari Asters are trying to kind of shake that off, yeah, and try to get back to not even like intellectually coming at these things, but just like stop being so winky, like just a, yeah. like it's hard to be scared in a movie that's winky, and that's why I think this movie is also struggling to be scary. Yeah, I mean I, that's totally true. I think meta horror has continued uh and i think a lot of that's just because audiences are so much more savvy at this point that you have you kind of have to acknowledge what's going on or maybe that maybe writers and directors feel like they have to sure. um but we still have a movie i haven't watched it yet but totally killer the new movie yeah i'm excited like for that I'm, I'm time that time yeah. travel but it's that's a self-aware meta slasher oh, absolutely um there are fun, some I watched there, the trailer. it does look fun but there are there are so many of them i think it's like that's a lot of what is coming out now it's like that and then the kind of serious trauma indies sure. um so you know that that's that's like the mix did you watch the um was it called Fear Street? Was that the triptych that came out on Netflix I, a few years I, ago? I did watch Fear Street. Um I watched the first two. I didn't get through the third one. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um 
I liked it. <clears throat> like that that didn't that felt like a, a a relatively good mix of all the stuff, but maybe I'm wrong. No, I lo- listen, I think a lot of people liked it. I did not care for those movies. Um okay. I the first one was like the best, but it wasn't great. And that one reminded me of um Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, which is like a very yes. underrated PG-13 horror movie. Um, Fear Street was like R-rated. I mean, it's Netflix, but it was like, it had the violence of an R-rated horror movie. Sure. Um, it didn't do much for me. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I really feel like <clears throat> there's been a lot to, there's been a ton of horror, like every year. And yeah. I think it's just much more accessible now because we have things like shutter and it's like it's a lot easier for like there's always been a ton of indie horror but now you can watch all of it and something like skin and can go viral sure um but i watch a lot and i i like a a, a very small portion of that um but i'm grateful for the amount there is i mean it's it's a good in terms of like if you look at the early 90s for example we certainly have many more options yeah, and and I have to say too, like I was just, I'm I'm just looking at like, um, the horror movies that have come out this year, just to like, because like, you know, no one will save you, straight to video, right? Straight to streaming. Okay, you've got Pet Cemetery Bloodlines, which is coming out. I have not seen it, obviously. Um, you know, there's just there's... I've heard it's I've heard it's terrible. Yeah, I've heard but it's... I also hate I hated the the reboot of Pet Cemetery anyway. So you know, sure, but like the Nun Two made a shit ton of money. Here it's bad, but yeah. I, you know, it made a boatload of money. Um, the Boogeyman, which I haven't seen, but I heard was pretty decent, all things considered. Um, you know, I don't think that Haunted Mansion counts, but no, no. Um, but like, you know, Last Voyage of the Dementor, uh, which some people really liked, it did very poorly. But like Insidious number five, is that where we're at? Yeah, I think it's five. The that Red did Door, really well. yeah. You know, um, I didn't see it, but I, but it was it was number five, right? And I, I mean, I, I liked this. The most recent Scream actually was probably my. I liked it more than the previous Scream, for what that's worth. Um, you know, I, I just think you know, a knock at the cabin, liked that. I don't know that it's considered horror necessarily. I, I would I would call it a horror movie. Okay, horror adjacent. I haven't seen Infinity Pool, but people seem to really like Infinity Pool. Um, you know, Renfeld didn't see it, but. I guess I don't know, man. I mean, like it's just it's it's a mixed bag this year for sure. I don't mean to suggest that it isn't, but I do think it's interesting that like a lot of fucking horror is coming out in theaters. Like these are all all the stuff that I mentioned there for the most part. That's those are all theatrical yeah, releases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I think it's and it well, what's crazy is that like it's it's actually wild that there are still movies that are straight to Hulu or straight to what Netflix when horror is so successful yeah. box office wise that it feels nuts not to put it in theaters i mean you have like like a24 with like talk to me is a huge hit and that is a tiny horror movie that like from australia that like you know should never have made that much like great that it did but it's that's a surprise um and those movies have like a long life in theaters word of mouth is good and you know people love seeing horror movies in the theater they love sitting in a dark room with a bunch of strangers, feeling that tension, hearing the screams. Hear, like It's just, it's the way to see a horror movie. Again, right. I'm a big scary cat. I don't do that. But there are people <laughs> that do, and I get it. Um, and, you know, I, I think there's something really interesting about 
studios weirdly embracing and pushing back on that, right? Like there's some studios, A24, whoever, you know, I th- I believe that Smile was supposed to go straight to streaming and then they put that in theaters, if I'm not mistaken. It was, yeah, it was Paramount. I think it was, was Paramount, it? Yeah. yeah. And again, like these movies cost basically nothing. You right. know, the real cost is in the marketing and actually like physically putting it in theaters, um, but like well worth it. So I, I it is it is just interesting. I, I don't know that horror works as well on streaming but no not at all not at all i mean like it just doesn't it's not scary you 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 can get scared at home there are movies that have done that for me but you know mostly like a home invasion movie that you watch by yourself when you're at home but for the most part like it's easy to not be scared you could turn a light on you can look at your phone like you you know unless you like give yourself a full theatrical experience it's just not going to be as as scary um and for someone who's easily startled like me that is fine um but it but it's very different and i you know i can't imagine i mean looking at box office i i have to believe that studios will keep putting horror in theaters and god knows we're getting for some reason an entire exorcist trilogy uh we can't escape that's we can't escape that uh that's how it's happening um and i was reading about how they really want to i think they want to reboot friday the 13th which feels like a no-brainer um they've been talking about doing nightmare forever but that's harder because they tried it and it was a disaster and that it that's like it's you know unless you have robert england who won't do it anymore it's just not it doesn't really work um yeah, friday the 13th trying- is easy easy yeah. to do that i mean they're trying to do crystal lake as a peacock show that's right yeah that that's i mean we'll see if that ever happens as well um excuse me i i i'm yeah i'm with you i i don't know how you do freddy without him but then i'm just wondering whether or not you just have to like reinvent freddy like is there yeah. is there a way to well, do it well they they tr- they tried and their idea was like let's make him more of an explicit child molester that's what the people want is like a freddy that makes them feel really dirty and bad um I mean, that movie's also just i mean it's oddly nihilistic it's it's, just, it's, it's a, no it's a, it's a it's bad a nasty movie, movie. and I, it's, it's well i mean misreading the original all of yes but like that's true of like all of the horror remakes of that era that's true that they are like they look like shit i mean at the time i'm sure it looked great but they're just like they're dark and ugly and dark and ugly in a different way than things are dark and ugly now um wasn't which, there that it was part of the whole like michael bay platinum dunes thing, right right right, where they, right. Like, tried they tried to do texas chainsaw they tried to redo all these movies and, and some of them the some same. of them work yes i think the friday the 13th remake is like decent sure. um i like I, the texas chainsaw massacre one is like decent um <laughs> the, the hills have eyes remake is great um okay. there's some good okay. there's some good stuff in there uh but you know uh nightmare on elm street is not one of them but I, I it, it, it makes sense. I mean, I would listen. Like, I think Saw, Saw X, Saw Ten, whatever we're calling it, yeah. you know, being a hit. Like, I would love a Saw movie every year. We had that. We had a Saw movie every year. That's what I missed in my kind of thinking about horror is the era of what they call torture porn, which is not really what Saw is, but I get Hostel it. Hostel is that though. Uh yes, yeah, but it Hostel has a point. Hustle and Hustle, <laughs> Hustle Two is a is a feminist uh, reinvention of the Hustle series, but um, mm. uh, okay, okay, yes, I understand that is yes, we got like kind of graphic violence. It's really kind of more like 
new French extremity came over here, um, which is the kind of like extremely violent, sure. horrible to watch stuff that kind of trickled into the U.S. I think it was more kind of what the torture porn era was. But um, yeah, we got a Saw movie every year. And like we haven't had we haven't had that, you know, in the 80s, we had the same thing. We had a horror movie every year from these like franchises. Sure. Child's Play, there was like eight months between two of those movies. You know, it's funny. Child's Play, I, I did a, a double feature Patreon on that and Megan, um, which makes sense. Obviously, they're both, sure. you know, dolls. Um, Child's Play is great. The first one's yeah. great. Um, I never saw any of the others, and I did not see the reboot of Child's Play with, um, uh, oh my God, why am I drawing a blank on her name? Um, Aubrey Plaza. Aubrey Plaza and mm-hmm. Danny McBride. <laughs> There's um there's there's never been a bad child's play movie. Oh, okay. Uh so that's a great franchise. Uh okay. to and and the TV series is also great. Child's Play is a weird one because Don Mancini, aside from that reboot, which never went anywhere, yeah. Don Mancini has, you know, written and, and directed many of them, but written all of them since the beginning. So oh, I, I think that on. we seem to have lost our host. Let's just pause for a second here. And looks like he's back. Yeah. Yeah, we're back. Okay. <laughs> Um, just making sure. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I agree with you that Child's Play is great. And I think it's great in the same way that Nightmare is great, which is that Chucky's a stinker. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm always saying this. He is like, a little stinker. Um, yeah, I just watched all the, I just, I just rewatched all the Halloween movies. Um, okay. Which are fine, mostly. Uh, yeah. They're not great. I'm watching Friday the 13th now. Okay. Those movies are not good. Um, I don't think there's ever really been a good one. I but think... he takes Manhattan. Come on, man. Well, but he's on he's <laughs> on a, he's on a ship for most of that movie. Yeah, I, um, I I just like like, but they didn't have to be good, right? Because they cost yeah. like six dollars, and yeah. there was no one in them, and like it's they were basically like they're like porn without the sex in terms of like how they were made and who was in them and like totally. the quality we we're going for, it didn't really matter. And um, I think if they wanted to pump out Saw movies, I would be delighted. I mean, Scream gave us Scream and Scream 6 one year apart, but they're obviously pausing before the next well, one. I, it needs to be said for what it's worth that like these Scream movies, $35 million is that's relatively low budget in the greater scheme of things, right? And the movie made 170. So like they're laughing all the way to the bank. But to your point, Friday the 13th part, whatever the fuck, five or six, or it was probably like nothing. It probably literally yeah. cost them like five bucks and a ham sandwich. And they right. were thrilled if the thing made money. And it generally did. I mean, the, 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 I would say probably the best allegory to that are the, the paranormal activity movies. Yeah. Those movies cost nothing. Right, Truly I could I could, I could make one for sure. I just like set up a camera and then and they make some wires. Like, I'm, I, I I'm looking this up right now because like I was talking about this with my friends um, the other night because there are uh, no less than seven paranormal yeah. activities. Yeah. Have you seen all of them? No, I've seen like two and a half. I'm not really a fan. I think the the first couple of ones are are definitely well done, but they're not really for me. Yeah, I mean, I listen. I've seen none of them because, as I said, big baby. But, like, I, just just to give you a sense of the sixth one, Paranormal Activity, The Ghost Dimension, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that came out in, 20, in uh, 2015, had a yeah. budget of $10 million and it made 80 Right, And then right. the last one, Paranormal Activity, Next of Kin, 
that went straight to streaming. So like, I mean, yeah, we don't know how much that made, but still, like these movies cost nothing. Yeah, it, it's a joke, and they make so much money. Yeah, I could I could see us kind of falling back into right franchises. It feels it feels weird that we are not in that era now, and I think like I totally the agree. the rejection of the exorcist because like that's not a that's not a franchise that you really want to treat that way that's a, like exorcist is a is a perfect film that you that had some like shitty sequels yep. i mean three yep. maybe less so but not movies that people remember fondly mm-hmm. that you're then going to kind of like try to give the same like this sort of uh trauma based trilogy sure. treatment to it doesn't really make any sense i think like it's interesting because like Saw X is a more serious take on Saw in some ways. It is like, it is very character driven. It is about John Kramer and he is the main character. I've never seen any of the Saw movies. Should I be watching well, the there, Saw movies? Yes and no. Um, <laughs> it's sort of like when you, st- it's just like, it's, I, I have like many. a love hate relationship. There are so, there are 10 famously. Um, but I think that like, it's it's a Saw movie, but it is a little bit more serious. But I think if they make more of them, they're going to do what they did before, which is like you cast a bunch of random TV actors, no disrespect to TV actors, just what they're known for. Sure. And you just like kill them off creatively with like horrific Saw traps. Um, there's also like a police procedural element that runs through these movies. Uh, it's like watching like- a Saw question? Yeah, for sure. So like I'm, I'm thinking about watching the first Saw, right? Yes. Which is, is the first Saw the best Saw? Um, people disagree. I think the first two are good. Okay. Uh, three is decent. Um, six is good. <laughs> Ten is good. Okay. So Spiral, not a fan. No, no, no. <laughs> um, Jigsaw? No, absolutely not. <laughs> no. It's So the reason that I asked the question is because as as an avid listener of Blank Check, David Sims was re- was was rewatching all of the songs. Yeah. and I guess there's like because they kill him, like and Jigsaw he, dies he, in so Saw Three. Have to like, well, he dies like, in Saw retroactively. He dies in he dies in Saw Three, and then the rest of the series is all flashbacks or. <laughs> takes place it's like you kind of have to watch it to believe it because it's like it's truly insane like they do flashbacks within flashbacks like constantly there's just like a nesting doll of a series it's a wild because they just keep retconning it to give excuses to you know bring back these characters and saw 10 takes place between saw and saw (laughs) 2 okay with with the actors playing themselves you know 20 years ago which is a real fun i mean it 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 works because like you just go with it it is ridiculous um but it makes more sense because it's like we know where that fits in the timeline he was alive then this is what he's doing this is part of the story and it gets you Um, back to the good times right it gets you back to like the, the the ultimately the juice or what people want from the series yeah which is like john kramer and amanda like we want those two and those that's crazy what it, kids those crazy kids um they kind of i mean it, they have a real relationship you, you have to listen you'll, you'll watch gonna, them I, i'm going to i'm going to watch saw but I, you were speaking of flashbacks so i wanted to talk for a second about the flashbacks in dr giggles because right, there's that, a, the movie we were, the movie we were about, here to yeah. talk about uh because i do think that this movie 
has a bit of an odd structure as well, in the sense that you're kind of thrown in the deep end with it up top. And I would, there's a part of me that I would argue that I don't know that I needed the hospital stuff at the top of it. Like, I know that what they were going for, which was like right. a big kind of hooky, you know, escaping from the facility kind of thing. But I don't know that it actually executes that particularly so well. You didn't, you didn't like when he held the fake arms and said he should have kept his hands to himself? Because I thought that well, was... he uses the fake arms, first of all, to touch her to touch, appropriately. Yes, to, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then is like... So yeah. it isn't even that I dislike the fake arms. It's not even that I dislike the image. And it's a haunting image of, like, all the patients in the viewing yeah. gallery over the... Over the uh, um, the operating room like there's interesting stuff there but there's just a lot of like eh, we just want to get him out of here like we don't really know how he gets out we don't yeah. really know how this works it all kind of just it's a little kind of you know thrown together um but the flashbacks that of where we learn about the backstory of the character and what have you is really late in the film for the most yeah part. it's it's very strange because it, it really would make more sense as like a prologue. Like it, it, there's really no reason to like tease it out because yeah. that mystery component is not really much of a mystery or anything that we care right. about. Um, That's the key. Like, I think that if it were, if it were a comic book, I think we would get that pretty early on. Like sure. that's his origin story. And then, yeah. but it's really kind of like portioned out in a bizarre way where you're like, who, you know, you don't really know who the dad is at first, but you sort of get it. Um, the only real reveal, I guess, is that he hid in his mother's corpse, which you know we love. But um, it's a late, it's a late in the in the movie. We stand a legend. <laughs> we 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 do we do. I I mean I think that I, I as it was being doled out or when it is doled out, which I think is honestly like forty five minutes into the film, maybe even later. Um, you do find yourself going like. I've gone this long without knowing why this guy did this. I probably right. could have gone the entire movie. <laughs> I don't know that I'm entirely clear on the why beyond like revenge in a broad sense, which is like fine, but there isn't really like a, a reveal that makes me go, Oh, I get it now. I understand his motivation sure. because he doesn't really make sense as a character. I mean, he's sort of like a giggling man, child, right. sadistic killer doctor. Does he think he's helping people or is he just trying to kill them? Or like, we don't really know. Well, it's, uh, it comes but... back to sort of, I would argue that the, if there, you can't even say like there are holes in this story because that's not really what I'm getting at. But I do think the idea that the father killed a whole bunch of his patients in search of a heart that he could theoretically transplant it to his dying wife. That doesn't change the fact that he killed all sorts of people. Right. Right. Like, there's this weird and so you've got this idea that like dr giggles is trying to get revenge on an unjust crime but it wasn't an unjust crime is my point right, right? like the father deserved to be punished for what he did well i don't think he's like playing an anti-hero i think he is very <laughs> much like i think that's why they gave us holly sure. marie combs as like the heroine and then we have like right, the antagonist right. of dr giggles um that's fair I, it's it's I, I think it's i think it's confused in the sense that it is a comic book story but a lot of like comic book villains have a semi-tragic backstory sure um sure like didn't mr freeze have the same sort of like isn't it about his wife being isn't she frozen she is frozen and she has a disease that only diamonds can cure or, keep, or, or they could 
that's in that's in batman and robin i don't know if that's always been i don't know if that's canon or not um Um, but she has a disease that he's trying to cure which also happens to be the same disease that alfred has in batman and robin of course so they have to like they you know they're working together and then weirdly in the middle of that movie schwarzenegger had a heart attack so like dr freeze was supposed to die at the end of it but he didn't want to die anyway doesn't matter um you brought up uh holly marie combs which i think is worth talking about for a quick second um of of charmed and picket fences fame um she was also i guess in uh pretty little liars as well the only the only one of those shows that i actually watched is pll (laughs) another another show that requires you to turn your brain off because there are so many (laughs) plot twists and retconning and absolute nonsense that you just kind of you gotta just turn it off um yeah i mean she listen those are two big shows charmed and pretty little liars is no joke um people love charmed uh it just wasn't i i kind of i don't know i never got into it but there are people that love it i i I mean but uh interestingly for this film uh two other actresses both auditioned for the role of jennifer uh jennifer aniston and ashley judd both auditioned for this role um both might have been better i mean this Holly's was fine, but... this was right before leprechaun correct yeah it's 92. um so this is like i i love jennifer anderson leprechaun i sure. love her original nose i think it's a it adds a lot to her as a performer um and i yeah no i think that i can see that though i mean it's it's weird the casting is it's it feels very up its time but it's also like not the not the a-list not, I mean, yeah. not that it would ever be that, but I think like as you get kind of later in the '90s, you get more TV stars who are like actual WB stars, totally. which she was not at this point because no, she, Charm, this is Charm was not till yeah. right. So Charm was not till '98, late, yeah. late '90s. Um, but like, yeah, if you, if you watch any kind of teen slasher mm-hmm. or whatever from the late '90s, you get actual WB tiger beat like you get those those you know those stars Absolutely. and this is holly Combs and glenn quinn who i guess was on roseanne at the time or maybe he was, he was what yeah. he was starting yeah. his boyfriend and he was great on that yes and rip he had a very troubled yeah. uh life but um yeah it wasn't it wasn't like the you know it wasn't top top tv talent or like no. i don't know that they were drawing teens to the theater i don't know if teens were like i gotta go see holly marie combs in this movie or if people were like i want to see the movie about the doctor who giggles I mean, I'm oh, not even Lord. convinced that this movie... So this movie, I did. So it comes out October 92. I mean, Pick a Fences probably premieres that fall. So like, that's literally the first time anyone had ever seen her before. Um, do you know who was almost cast as the titular Dr. Griggles? I, I don't. Ted Danson. I love that. <laughs> Can you imagine? I mean, if I, on I, hiatus from Cheers, he does Dr. Giggles. I could see that. I mean, Ted Danson is in, is in Creepshow. And I sure, feel like Creepshow is sure. another of those comic book horror, yeah. you know, horror yeah. comedy things. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Larry Drake has such a distinctive and I'm so sorry to his memory, like terrifying look that it it's sort of easy to work with that. But if you look at that, the iconic poster, like mm-hmm. it looks scarier because you don't you think under that mask going to be some like more Ted dancing thing. Yeah. Well, I think it's more like he could be some Ted. I think it's scary if it's like Ted Danson. I think it's scary if it's some like handsome doctor looking person who happens to also be a killer. Um, I, I agree with you. I, I, 
Ted Danson in this role would have been interesting. Like, I want to see that version sure. for sure. Yeah, yeah. Because there's something, first and foremost, America loves Ted Danson. He's in their, you know, he's in their living room every week. He's Sam Malone. He's the nicest guy in the world, right? Like, Ted Danson radiates nothing but niceness and actually looks and feels like a doctor, right? Like, he seems like a guy that would be a general practitioner or whatever. Right. Um, I would love to see... A, a mad giggling scientist version of that i think it's interesting but i also you know get why either he chose not to do it or they decided to go a different one yeah i mean i think that this this this, this version of the movie would not work with ted danson um no. i mean i don't I, I, what's so weird about this movie and so many things but like the gig the giggling itself makes it makes it so it, it can only be really silly right like yeah. there's no real reason why that character has to giggle it could just be a killer doctor it could be about you know the title could be some play on hearts or something with involving yeah. hearts yeah there's no there's no real reason for it but they went with this and that's why it's i want a know. joker vibe is ultimately what it's got right yeah like yeah yeah for sure but i i do want to know more about how this came about and who first pitched it because <laughs> was it a dark horse writer who pitched this and then it became the movie? Like, it, it seems like that's more of where this came from. Um, it's the only, it's the only logical explanation to it ultimately. Like, and I, I don't say that disparagingly. I just think that right. it feels very comic booky. And then it feels like a horror, a, you know, a somewhat campy horror writer came to it and was like, Oh yeah, I can do something with this. Right. And I mean, like there is, I think that there is, you're right. Like the Joker is a great, thing to bring up in terms of like there is a history of creepy laughing or smiling figures there's like you know the the man who laughs and and the joker in every iteration and the gentleman on buffy and like there's lots of like creepy laughy smiling dudes giggling is a separate (laughs) thing entirely like no one is a creepy giggler it's not, and it's like... Hard to argue with that. <laughs> no, I mean, like... It's true. It's just, like, very... But I don't know. There are, like... I, the comic book stuff works in some senses. Like, there are certain, like, angles of shots and things that look like kind of the, the panel of the comic book where it's visually interesting. Sure. The whole, like, Hall of Mirrors sequence right. is sort of, like... Right. Yeah. It's visually interesting. Um, but I don't know that, for the most part, they get that much out of this being a comic book movie. Not really. I mean, you just, you really do just get a lot of kind of fucked up weird medical stuff. You've got like that sequence where he pumps the girlfriend's stomach with some sort of industrial engine. Oh, she, she's, yeah, he's like suctioning out all of the ice cream and then it turns bloody. That's a fun one. That's a gross thing. I mean, I like that. Yeah, but it's well done. You mentioned the Holy Mirrors thing. I think is great. All the condom stuff that they really milk that shit for. Like they go way too. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm just like, what are we doing here, man? Um, It does lead to just you know a great moment of Doctor Google's in the bed saying, "I hope you have protection." (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that is a good bit. Um, I mean, I I thought that like you kind of mentioned the the doctor giggles performing the surgery on himself is a lot of fun uh the doctor fight is fun just in general um i I think that uh you know the 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 crazy uh tools at the end the um her using this is not how you could possibly use a defibrillator uh, but apparently you could put it in water (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, defibrillators in movies are used however it suits the plot. Like, that is classic horror. That is not, yeah. I have no problem with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, she really gets him. So, you know, <laughs> I think there's really like. really get him. That, like, there's a lot, that chase sequence at the end and the whole, all of that, like, goes on for so long. Like, it's a it real, like, it sort of becomes like a, like an action movie or more of a comic book movie where there's this whole showdown. Yeah. Um, but there are there's some also great like a, a subterranean hospital. Well, I I think that's actually one of the better I agree, pieces. I that like, whole the the waiting room with all of his victims like that's sitting the there is that's very the creepy. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. There, there's got to be. I think there's enough here that we can point to and be like, that's kind of a cool idea or that's fun. Yeah, that indicates there's a version of this that might have been better. And like as it stands, I feel like it's worth seeing. It's like, you know, there's yeah. something, you, you, you can't not see Dr. Giggles. I mean, I hope that anyone who hasn't seen it yet is going to go and rent it immediately. First of all, it is currently free and streaming on, on uh, with, Amazon with, Prime. So without. Oh, is it? With ads. Yeah, yeah. yeah. On Freebie. Mm-hmm. On Freebie. Um, but, you know, it's funny. When I pressed play on this, I went in, as you would imagine, with pretty low expectations. Um, and I was pleasantly surprised by how entertained I was, all things considered. I mean as we rate this movie, I obviously hadn't seen it before. I came into this podcast. I honestly gave it like a 57. Like I was like, this movie is pretty solid. And I think I'm kind of around the same place. Like I'd recommend people watch Dr. Giggles. You're not, you're going to have a good time. You're going to have solid. There's way worse ways to spend 90 minutes than with, you know, with the doctor. Um, I, I, you know, obviously you and I have our issues with it. Just a lot of it just having to do with sort of the modulation of tone and what have you. But like, more than anything, I want to say like a half hour into the movie, I was like, the concept and the conceit of this movie works. Like, it does. Now, I don't necessarily think that they totally hit it out of the park all the time, but I'm just like, a doctor, you know, using a doctor as a horror villain, kind of surprised we haven't seen more of that. Yeah. So, I, I, yeah. I mean, wh- where were you? How would you rate this film? Um, well, I think that for me, because the novelty, I, first of all, I saw it so recently, I think it was, I don't know, like six months ago. So watching it again, those tonal shifts and the teen stuff kind of dragged for me. And then it really becomes like, you really feel that more when you kind of know what's coming in terms of the kills. Sure. Um, so I came into it probably like a 68 Uh uh and uh I think I, I fell to like a 61. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but that I'd sounds still, right. I'd still, the I'd, place. Yeah, whatever. I'd still recommend it. I mean, like, it's it's fun. I wish it were more fun. I wish it were grosser. I wish, like, I just think that there's, like I said, there's a version there that's better. And I think that Absolutely. makes it a little bit frustrating when you, like, like when the, when the gag is that he kills people with medical instruments in different ways every time, you just keep waiting for it to be. The next one. Yes. You, yes. But you, you also want it to be, like, a little bit more over the top. Like, really give it to me. And I feel mm-hmm. like we do need a new Dr. Giggles. And I feel like maybe if this, if this episode does numbers, <laughs> I mean, the happen. truth, I, you know, it's interesting because, you know, Twitter's obviously whatever the fuck Twitter is now, but within the last like two years or so, there's been talk of Dr. Giggles. Like people talk about this movie. Like, I do think that it's got a little bit of a cult following. Yeah. It. Well, this is like, it's a great, it had great VHS art. Right. And this is the kind of movie that you would like, when you're a blockbuster and you're like going through the horror like movies, totally. this is something that you would absolutely gravitate toward. So I think a lot. I think a lot of people rented it when they were, you know, teens. For sure. It's it's also it's one of those things where I mean, as a kid, and I'm sure you have, uh, 
somewhat similar. I mean, obviously I'm older than you, but still when you're in a video store, they tend to put up posters for horror movies for what I, I remember prom night. I remember Dr. Giggles. There's just something about whoever works in these video stores understands like an arresting poster. That's going to get people to remember it. Yeah. And that's one of the things that we've lost in a world of no video stores where like that art, was key to getting people yeah. to watch a thing. Yeah, we just don't have that. And anymore. on streaming now, when you scroll through horror posters, they're so boring because they're just like they're either it's algorithmically, it's like whoever they think you'll like in the movie, mm-hmm. or it's just like whatever generic bullshit. Like you really miss out on like I used to love what way before I watched horror, I would like that was like my challenge to myself was to go to Blockbuster and like go through sure. the videos and like if I dare to pick up a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. And like, look at the back of the box, right. um, which was so scary. I was like, this should not be legal. It's too terrifying. Um, <laughs> or the Child's Play posters are incredible. Child's Play 2 with the with the jack-in-the-box. And oh, so good. You know which um, one I remember vividly as a kid was Ghoulies? Remember mm-hmm, Ghoulies? Mm-hmm. The little guy coming out of the toilet? Just, I was always thinking about that. The big, the big one for me was Dead Alive, actually. Really? The, yeah. The, the yeah, 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 yeah. That was the one that I was like, "What is this movie? This seems really <laughs> scary." Um, right. But yeah, this feels like a movie that people watched when they were when they were kids. Um, I don't know if I don't know what kind of run it got on cable, if anything. But yeah, it's it just it to me it does feel like a thing. You're you're probably right, a Shutter thing or something to that effect. But like, there there's some juice in Doctor Giggles. Like, I think I think someone could come at this in a kind of American horror story way yeah. and, and, and make it connect. Yeah. I'd love to know if Manny Cotto had ever like had any aspirations of revisiting the character. Cause it feels like it for someone who stayed in that genre, you know, throughout his career, totally. it just feels like a kind of a thing that should have happened. Maybe there was an American horror stories episode that could have been about Dr. Giggles. It might've been. It might Cause it has, it, it does have that feel of many horror movies where it's like, this maybe work, would work better as an hour long anthology episode than as sure. a full feature. Sure. Um, but alas. So um, in terms of, of uh, jarring tonal shifts, mm-hmm. the film that we're covering next week, <laughs> Spike Lee's Malcolm X. Uh-huh. Um, do you have thoughts on Malcolm X? Have you seen Malcolm X? I have seen Malcolm X. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. Yeah. It feels right. It feels right that it should be paired next. To Absolutely. I think it's, it's as our if first like film in November. <laughs> as if like as if that movie hadn't suffered enough disrespect to be paired with. with this is like worse than Denzel not Losing? getting an Oscar. It's yeah. it's it's the fact that it's falling down. No, I think it's um yeah, it's a fantastic movie. I it's, remember I, I watched that in high school. I think it might have been. I took up like a summer school film class for mm-hmm. fun sure. um, as you do. And like, sure. That was what I like. That was great because it was like very much about like how I write a screenplay and that we like to make like 10 minute short films, whatever right, right. it was like, but we also had to watch like all these movies that were, that are like, I don't know. They were just important to imagine. We watched like, you know, Chinatown and the Godfather and like all these movies that I never would have sought out. Mm-hmm. until later in life had i not you know um i think i watched malcolm x for that um but yeah i i yeah, I, no, I mean we we um we have uh uh aaron thomas came on uh to talk with us about it um just an incredibly powerful movie uh and and you know aaron has uh such a sort of lovely 
personal, uh, you know, attachment to it. And um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's one of those films that I would argue, you know, the pinnacle of 92, you know, in terms of what it had to offer and how this film uh, didn't, unfortunately, you know, get all the Oscar nominations that right. it deserved. Um, you know, we, we live in a world where Scent of a Woman has a Best Picture nomination over uh, Malcolm <laughs> X. It's just, uh, you know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, listen, I was I was so excited to I, – I bought the, the 4K criteria, and I was very excited to dive into that. Um, and, you know, what, what, what could be said about Malcolm X that hasn't been said? But I think we hopefully you do. Found, I, you, yeah, you, I'm hoping but, you found some yeah, stuff you don't want to said about we, it. We've got a fair amount of stuff that needs to be said about it. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, listen. I can't thank you enough for coming on to talk about Dr. Giggles with me. I mean, this was, this was, this was, you know, I mean, I, I, Larry Drake also didn't get an Oscar nomination, he or did an not. Oscar win. He didn't get anything. So, I mean, anything. he got very little love for this performance, but this was, you know, this was a movie that I'm, I'm thrilled that I finally watched. It's a weird movie that's existed in my brain since I was a kid and saw that poster. Um, so I'm thrilled that, uh, that I had the opportunity to watch it and unpack it with you. And, and, and I hope that you'll come back in the future. And yeah, I mean, I'm going to look for the next Dr. Giggles level movie to talk about. So I'll be I'm sure you'll the find it. 92 Wikipedia page. But um, where can people find you? Where can, is there, is there, you know? You can find me on Letterboxd um, as Lewis Peitzman there. And then I am currently on X until sure. it like, it like sort of died right before I came on the podcast. It crashed, but I think it's back now. I'm also Lewis Peitzman on there. Um those are the main places. I do enjoy Letterboxd more. Obviously, there's limitations. I just talk about sure. the movies I watch there, but I watch a lot. So um, <laughs> at least there is that. Um, well, listen, I can't wait to have you back in the future for maybe even a movie better than Dr. Giggles. I know. I don't want to set the bar too It's high. hard to top, yeah. I mean, stay tuned in Dr. Giggles. You're really, you're carving out quite the lane for yourself. <laughs> I am scraping the bottom of the barrel, yes. <laughs> but um, but honestly, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.